Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. This is about a uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. It woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. Hello and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. I am your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. Welcome to the show. This show is being recorded for November 3rd, 2023, slightly after the end of spooky season, although it's being recorded slightly ahead of the end of spooky season. You got all that? This is like the Loki show. You got to keep all these, uh, all this time stuff straight. First to business. The show is not kid safe, not work safe. The candy has not been inspected for any form of safety. Creative Commons license, non-commercial, attribution, 4.0, unported. The theme music is by the late grant band, The Gentle Readers. They're at gentlereaders.com. Bandwidth is via Cashfly under the kind umbrella of Backbeat Media. I do not speak from a day job. I shall speak a little day job stuff in this show, but I don't infect their upstanding brand with my nonsense. Because there shall be nonsense, as always, here around this joint. I am going to start with a song. The the thing, so I've sort of de-Amazoned myself. I was a very Amazon-y for a long time. Um, I've just felt like playing some Zamrock. And everything I have ever played before was from Amazon Music. There's like a couple canonical Zamrock compilations and then the Witch album. I just didn't want, I just didn't feel like Amazon-y. So this is coming via YouTube. I need to find a non-Amazon source for some Zamrock. If you have any leads on that, Dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org. This song is by Chrissy Zebitembo, and it's called Troublemaker. And that's pretty much all I know about it because it's coming from YouTube. Troublemaker. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
I was looking at the amount of time remaining and listening to that music, and I thought, this has to be a fade-out, because I ain't bringing this to a close anytime soon. That was Chrissy Zebby Tembo from, uh, I believe it's from an album called My Ancestors, and that's the song Troublemaker. And the thing, so the mixing on that, terrible. The recording on it, pretty terrible. Um, but there's something like just charmingly naive about all that Zamrock. It's like these cats got the recording equipment and like some some instruments and they heard a like this guy clearly got like a copy of are you experienced and said let me see what i can do with this <laughs> you know what i mean it was like i just i i just love it's almost like outsider art except it's more accomplished than that it's like closer to the structures of the thing, but kind of unburdened by the baggage. People are just free to do this music, and it sounds so refreshing to me. Even when the recording is not good, it just there's something uh, in the music that I just love. All right. Now, let us get to... I'm going to not bury the lead. We're going to go to the absolute most monumental topic uh, straight off the top, which is... I be- I'm talking about this in public. It's six weeks since I told uh, my management and two weeks since I told, you know, the larger groups of people, I am retiring. In the month of December, I will no longer work at my conspiracy day job anymore or any conspiracy day job. I'm just, I'm done with the world of work. So I guess what that means is uh, 19 years later, I have achieved the pod show dream of quitting my job to be a full-time podcaster. All it took was 19 years of work. <laughs> so anyway, I'm retiring. I will have no day job whatsoever. That topic has clearly been on my mind for the last, I don't know, five years. Surely I have told the story because there are very few stories at this point I haven't told. But, you know, I got laid off in the dot bomb bust of what year was it? it was 2001 like may of 2001 i got laid off and i made a promise to myself which is that in 20 years i would be retirable or really the 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 promise to myself was in the form of in 20 years you will never again have to take or have a job you don't want um because what i was doing in that layoff is scrambling for a job and i ended up taking a job i did not want and i did not like and i worked for it there for a couple of years and i more or less hated every day of it but i had to keep the mortgage paid i basically structured my financial life around the next 20 years making sure that that would not be the case <laughs> that i would never have to um do something i didn't want or take a job i didn't want solely to keep uh keep the lights on and i achieved that more so uh, at this point i just i just don't i can i can we can get by without uh, anybody working. So we're going to do that. What that means, ideally, the show should be at least weekly. I have all every weekday uh, to do this show. That does not mean the show will happen every week. Uh, but um, what that means is if it doesn't happen every week, it's really and truly nobody's goddamn fault but mine. <laughs> it means I fucked it up. That's what it means. In recent years, I've talked about that the the, the silliness of the w- how will you keep yourself busy, right? It's just just cleaning the office that I'm in. That's a week of work, right? We've we've been in this house less than two years. How could I have gotten this office this trashed this fast? It looks like it looks like uh, years of work have gone into making this office this bad. I've got so much to do. <laughs> that really and truly getting rid of the data job just allows me to get to the point where I can do some of the enormous amount of stuff. I've got overgrown hedges. You know, I've got a brush that's um, in the backyard that's coming forward that needs to be stopped in its tracks. Um, I've got thousands of hours of stuff to watch on the Plex. I've got thousands of books and thousands of comics to read. There is never going to be a point where I say, oh gosh, I'm just bored. I wish I had a day job. I wish I was showing up and doing whatever shit the boss said to do because I'm just bored. And the only way I can avoid boredom is having somebody, some manager bossing me around. God, I've always found that just the people who feel like that, that's just such a depressing notion. The fact that you require somebody instructing you, you know, to do stuff, 
Otherwise, you've got no idea what to do with your time. You're like, you're like, uh, you know, a dog on a leash that when you take it off doesn't know what to do. It just stands there. It's like you're free. It's like, uh, I don't know what to do with free. <laughs> okay, okay, pal. Well, then we'll put this leash right back on you. Now, like the people who unretire because they don't know what to do with themselves. I'm sure they have their reasons and motivations, but that is, I don't even. I can't even imagine that. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just don't know why. So in my short mini-sode, I was talking about the Mac Mini, the new production machine. This is the first full-length show, or what it's intended to be, the first full-length show, produced on the Mac Mini. The previous episode, the little short one, um, although the short one was like 15 minutes long, it probably should have been shorter than that. Certainly, there was a lot of voyage of discovery. Um, you know, I had done the basics. I had audio hijack on there, and I had done things. But when it came time to sit down and record, I'm like, "Oh, I don't have Obsidian on this machine. <laughs> oh, I don't." <laughs> there was a lot. There was just a lot of things I had not thought about that uh, weren't there. It was good to do the the smaller scale thing, just to shake it out, just to you know, just to give it the test run, give it the test drive. It did exactly what it's supposed to. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. This will be much easier. I will have gotten all the kinks out. Uh, all the levels are good. Everything mm, should just be mm, mm, should just be that. But we shall see. One of the things about setting up the, the pair of these Mac Minis is that um, I realized something about the way I've organized my digital life, like my computer life, and that is that my Dropbox account. I have a paid for Dropbox, which I believe has one terabyte, maybe two terabytes. What it's now gotten so big that you know it's I couldn't fill it up because I don't have a hard drive to sync it to. Like the act of which is kind of getting to my point, which is there's so much shit in my Dropbox. And that is the Dropbox business model. Is they want you to they don't necessarily want you to think about what's going in there. They just want you to put everything in there. And specifically, they want you to put everything in there, I think, as disorganized as possible. I mean, I kind of think that that's the Dropbox goal, because what they don't want you to do is realize, oh, I don't need all this. They want it to make it so burdensome to figure out what you need and don't need that you just say, ah, screw it. I'll just pay pay the hundred bucks. So when it came time, I've got these new um, two new machines, and I started, I said, okay, well, I guess it's time to put on Dropbox. And I thought, almost, you know, of the, I believe I'm using something like Let's say it's 200 gigs of Dropbox, something like that. 200, could be 300, 250 in that vicinity. And so immediately of my one terabyte drive, a quarter of it is going to go to Dropbox, of which vanishingly small amount of it is actually relevant to this machine. I mean, really and truly. Like, I don't even use KeepPass anymore. Uh, that might be a future topic. Is For years, I had a KeepPass was my password manager, and I just kept the file synced in Dropbox. I'm not even using that now. I've moved to a different system. There were a couple of machines where I would set up Dropbox and then just do the selective sync of that one single folder. That would typically be like a work machine type situation. In some cases, you can't even put Dropbox on your work machine, which, you know... It, more common than not nowadays. Um, when I first started with KeePass, uh, I had it on my work machine at the security company. And then at some point, I couldn't Dropbox out anymore. I was like, well, shit. That's a problem. It's a big problem. What do I do? Now, independently, this is not motivated by this, but I had been doing this already, is I've been using SyncThing at home. How did I run across SyncThing? I probably, the guys at the self-hosted podcast talked about SyncThing. And of course, these guys, they, they have an agenda, right? Which is, in general, they want you to use a open source self-hosted, I mean, it's in the title of their show, self-hosted. Like a, They don't want you to use a company's thing if you can use a thing that you yourself own. They're actually pragmatic enough to know that sometimes, you know, they, they talk about IoT stuff and, you know, Home Assistant and Raspberry Pis and things like that. Their preference is towards a thing that you have full control over. And so Sync Thing is this thing that kind of does what it sounds like. Sync, syncs things from here to there. Um, probably my interest in Sync Thing came around the time I got the Synology NAS. Um, partly, I think 
it was my very original use case for using SyncThing was probably my DIY book scanner. Because, you know, I scan a book. Let's say I'm scanning a 400-page book. I've taken 400 photos of individual pages with as high a resolution and as zoomed in as possible so that I can get, like, every pixel, uh, so that, like, every letter that I'm going to be OCRing, I want as maximum pixels on them so as I can get as much resolution as possible to give the OCR the best chance to succeed as it could. That's, like, what's happening physically when you're doing the DIY book scanning. But now you've got 400, like, 10 meg photos that have to go somewhere. And what I had been doing was Dropboxing, like putting them in a Dropbox folder. And my the phone that I was using to take that would do a, sele- a selective sync. I think the program is named DropSync. That would just uh, sync this one folder. It would watch this one folder and sync it. It would push all the stuff up to Dropbox, and then it would come down to my computer. Well, I mean, realistically, it would come down to every computer that I've got. And so I'm making this bizarre round trip to the Dropbox servers and back to get the stuff from a phone to a computer that is four feet away from it. <laughs> and at some point I thought, if I put sync thing on my phone and sync thing on the computer, I can eliminate that round trip to the public internet and just do it on my own internal network. So that was like where it started. Once you got it in there, you start looking at it and think, hmm, effectively, sync thing on my NAS network attached storage. You know, it's like the giant smart hard drive sitting in my server closet. That thing is kind of almost like the Dropbox machine. Um, I got, I don't know, seven or eight things, like every individual computer, my tablet, my phone, my my uh, phone that I don't use for anything but scanning the books. I might have eight or nine things in there. Any one of these things can sync to any one of the other things. So, like, one phone could sync directly to the other phone with nothing else involved. I probably haven't thought through the architectural diagram of this very well. Right right now, it's just willy-nilly. It's like, oh, I need a thing. And so, in some cases, I'm probably either syncing them to the wrong machines, or I'm syncing them to too many machines. I probably am syncing them to both... If anything, I'm syncing to both the NAS and something else, I probably could maybe eliminate some of them and just make it simpler. I don't know. I haven't really thought through the best practices. But when it came to these new machines, I thought, well, I've got this sync thing business going. So what I started to do was um, I just set up sync thing on the two new machines. And now I'm uh, just syncing the things that matter. So the um, the one thing that really jumped out as the thing that needs to be ubiquitously everywhere is my Obsidian repository, which lived in Dropbox. So first real test of all this, as I said, on my Linux laptop, I set up a new sync thing share that is in fact my Dropbox folder that holds all that stuff. So now my laptop is syncing, you know, it's it's connected to Dropbox, it's syncing to Dropbox, but now it's also exposing that via sync thing. So now my other devices, all my mobile devices, my tablet and my uh, phone, I turned off that drop sync. They were syncing that one specific directory. So I turned off drop sync on all my mobile devices and turned on sync thing. And it works a charm, right? And they still get the stuff at the same speed, possibly even a better speed sometimes. Um, Bearing in mind too, that these machines have tail scale. So um, even if I'm outside, I'm, uh, away from the house on mobile data on my phone, I've still got tail scale on. So as far as my phone thinks, it can still connect to things in my internal network. And it just works great. And then uh, when it syncs to my laptop, the laptop will save it, which will also be saving it to Dropbox. And so it's got Dropbox as kind of like a permanent backstop, but sync thing is like the transport to my stuff. So although it, the things live in Dropbox and things that are still connected to Dropbox might get it that way, they also get it the sync thing way. And so it's actually working pretty good. Once I've started that line of thinking, then it's like, well, anything that I just need on this new these new Mac minis, let's just sync thing them. Let's not let's not put 300 gigs on there. Let's put the you know two gigs that matter to me. Then I thought, and there's a lot of like temporary moving of stuff. So I've got that whole thing with the transient directory that automatically de- deletes itself. So I actually set up sync thing folders inside my transient directory. 
for things that need to move back and forth but don't need a permanent life. And they could go in either direction, right? So um, so both Mac minis and then my laptop have the this like temporary sharing directory where the root on all three machines live in the transient directory. So all three machines have the transient directory with the cron jobs to delete things. And uh, if I need a config file from my laptop, I drop it in there, I get it on the Mac mini, fine. And I just let it sit. And in three weeks, it'll delete. And when it delete, whatever it deletes on, the first thing will just propagate. That delete will then sync across everything else. It'll be fine. If I use them so little that at some point the actual root folder um, had no activity and then got deleted, uh, I would probably have to redo the whole thing. I think it would screw up the sync things. But for the time being, that's not a problem. And honestly, if I get to the point where I have so few temp files moving that they actually get deleted, then at that point, I probably just turn them all off because I probably don't need them anymore. Sync thing, it's really simplified this, right? <laughs> it would have been in previous times, one of the early steps of provisioning a new computer is connecting it to Dropbox and then waiting you know, for the day that, <laughs> that it takes to download everything from the cloud. And now that step's not there. Uh, you know, so I kind of like the the feeling of using SyncThing um, to do a really tactical, small amount of file moving versus the uh, using of Dropbox. The feeling it gives me is like the feeling right after you have taken a really big dump. You think, oh, I didn't, I don't have that anymore. I didn't need that. I didn't want that. It's gone from me. And now I just feel lighter and freer. So that's that's my that's my metaphor here is that reducing the amount you use Dropbox feels like taking a dump, a satisfying dump. <laughs> this is what keeps people around for 19 years, my friends. It's insightful thinking like that. I'm going to pause right here for a little sip of I'm not sure if the lights. Oh, the lights not blinking. This should be 134 degrees. Hmm. Old coffee at the right temperature, as opposed to the new coffee at the wrong temperature. Mm. Oh, that's delightful, question mark. At least it's hot, exclamation point. Speaking of which, this is, I'm calling an audible on myself. This isn't even on the list. But remember how a couple months ago I bought that cheap ion mug from Walmart, and I thought, Ah, this is, it's like an ember mug, but it's only like 35 bucks. Let me buy it and use it. The reviews would say how eventually they stop working, they take a dump. And I confidently, with my my uh, white man swagger, <laughs> my mediocre white man swagger said, oh, I'll bet it's because they're filling it on the thing and they fry the little contacts and it stops working. I very scrupulously tried to, to avoid it doing that i scrupulously never poured liquid in when it was sitting on the base um and i even you know would take paper towels and try to keep the contacts clean and at some point it was not as fast as the one a lot of people in the walmart reviews say that it died in like two weeks or a week and mine lasted maybe three months and it's not dead dead it's not that it doesn't work. It's that now, like a charging cable that gets real finicky, or when your charging port gets loose, and it will charge, but only in very specific physical configurations. So I would put the thing on the base, and it wouldn't charge. And then I would like very carefully rotate it. And then it would get to a point where the light would come on. I was like, ugh. And then after a while, I was like, God damn it. I just <sighs> can't handle that. And then I just happened to idly search on ember mugs and it turns out that there was like a three-day sale at best buy where they were 40 percent off so instead of being whatever they are normally they're instead of being 150 dollars they're like 95 dollars or something like that some some something in that order of magnitude i was like oh fuck it so i took my kid to school and when i take my kid to school i'm two-thirds of the way to the beach and the best buy you know i live inland the best buy is towards the beach um, and that's basically how we describe geography around here. It's like towards the beach and away from the beach. And I was like, ah, screw it. So I hung around, you know, I dropped the kid off at, you know, 8 a.m. And then I have to hang around. I probably had my work laptop hanging around a Starbucks until uh, Best Buy opened, walked in, bought the Ember mug, brought it home. 
and it definitely uh, that extra hundred bucks or the extra 80, 70 bucks from what I paid. Uh, you can see it; it's a better product. Uh, hopefully, it will live longer. However, it has an app that goes with it, and that app really does kind of suck. Like <laughs> the the Ember app in the Google Play Store has like a two point one rating or something. It's very low, partly uh, because you go to use it and it worked fine for about one week. And then uh, every time I go to use it, it has lost the pair device. If you have to repair this thing, every time you use it, it really, uh, it's not that <laughs> it's not, really not even worth uh, using that app. So anyway, um, uh, that's kind of the, I I've covered the life, right? Uh, like the, the, the network architecture of, you know, Dropbox, uh, ha- is being deprecated. It's not eliminated, but it's definitely deprecated. I'm, trying to consider how I can actually get Dropbox entirely out of my life. For today, um, I kind of like having the backup, the cloud backup of that stuff. Probably starting in December, when I have uh, more free time, I need to really look at what can be deleted out of there. What's in there just because I threw it in there. It's, you know, like when you move, what just gets thrown in a box and then never unpacked. You know, I have, I have those physically in this house, the things from the previous move in some cases, it may have been from three three moves ago. <laughs> we moved from the one house to the other house to this house. And there are things that in both of those moves could just got thrown in a box to be sorted later and still haven't been sorted. And Dropbox has exactly the same dynamic. There are things in those folders that got thrown in there 12 years ago, and I'm paying 120 bucks a year to keep it there, and I don't know why. It's the storage space that you probably wouldn't need if you actually sorted the shit out. You know, that's what Dropbox is to me. And uh, if I can make that go away, that's to the good. One of the things, and I talked to, but I alluded to this on the Minnesota. I hate to, it, it bugs me to talk about timetables, but like I haven't recorded a show for about a month. And in this case, I had opportunities to record the show. I could have sat down and done it. I considered sitting down and doing it. But what really got me, and this has definitely over the last decade, I have caught myself in this loop uh, more than it should be, Um, which is you've got a super important, like this happens to me around tax time. You've got a super important thing that needs to be done. It's, you know, March 25th. And I know that taxes is coming up. So I got to work on the taxes. That's the most important thing. I got to work on it. But I don't work on the taxes and I'm procrastinating. But I can't do anything else because why would I do this thing instead of working on the taxes when the taxes is so much more important than the thing I'm doing? Why would I record a podcast when the taxes need to be done? Why would I do X when Y? Why would I do Y when Z? And so uh, I've got this big, important thing that must happen that I don't want to do. And that basically stops progress on everything. (laughs) That's, you know, that's a two lane highway and one car has come to a stop and no car can go at this point. I think the very first step in like fixing that is realizing it. You know, I, I, now I know this about myself. I mean, I can see it happening. What I really have to do is I have to be, I have to be kind of diligent in my own life to, to acknowledge and recognize when that's happening and say, uh, to say, there is this thing. It is looming large. It is big. It needs to be done. I don't feel like doing it now. I'm going to give myself permission to work on a different lower priority project now. Um, not forever. Maybe I'll, I mean, maybe I'll do this an hour at a time. It's like, guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to allow myself to work on this other thing for an hour even though it's not the biggest thing, right? I, I don't, I don't, the other thing doesn't have to give complete veto power over my entire life for, for weeks or months at a time. Let's, let's, let's strip it of that authority. So instead, uh, even though I've got, you know, I've got stuff related to, um, you know, the work transition. Uh, sorry if anyone from the day job is listening, there have been points where I know that's the thing I must do, the thing I must do the most, and I just don't feel like doing it. <laughs> and I just procrastinate on it, and it kind of slows down everything at the day job. 
And it kind of has re- re- reduced my motivation. It's like the thing that I know I must do that I have a deadline on. There's going to be a day that is my last day at work. And it's not that far off. It's farther than two weeks, even from today. It's way far. You know, when I p- gave my notice to my boss, it was way more than two weeks. Um, and so, the, you know, there's everybody um, in the circle has known about this for, for some time. <sighs> And I've got time. It's not, it's marching towards me, but it's not a crisis. It's not an emergency. So I don't need to be like this. I can do other things besides this thing, but I have been allowing that to veto everything. And then what happens, the the vicious cycle, the doom loop that you get into with all this stuff is now uh, I'm not accomplishing progress on the main thing, not accomplishing progress on any side thing. I'm accomplishing no progress on anything. So then that begins to make me depressed. And then when I get depressed, now I have even less motivation to do any of anything, which just makes everything worse. And now I just look at the walls and now I just, you know, this is where, this is where uh, social media, I think a lot of what it is, is this. Like it's just a scrolling Facebook is a thing to do that feels like something that's really nothing uh, in these situations. Like in this situation, formerly I would, you know, scroll Twitter, scroll Facebook, scroll something. Uh, And now I'm not looking at any of those things, really. I'm not even looking at Mastodon, really. Um, So now I sort of kind of do nothing. I mean, I I kind of do a grandpa like uh, staring at the walls where I just, I'm just like, uh, zoned out you know it's like i could be doing any i could be doing literally anything i could be in that situation i could use that energy to just tidy up i could grab a pile of stuff and throw away the things that need to be filed and sort and put away the things that i mean i could have a clean office if i used that that spiraling time to uh tidy my office would be clean right now but uh you know that's not that's not how the thing operates right in, in my head the resistance wants nothing to happen. Also, there's some of that like self-loathing and shame and all that stuff uh, associated with it. Well, like, you piece of shit. You can't even do this. Look at you. Why don't you just sit there? Why don't you just sit there and stew in it? You asshole. You worthless nothing who can't even accomplish the simplest thing. Just suffer. Just sit there like a dummy and just suffer. And that's what, you know, that's what the evil inner voice is telling me this whole time. (sighs) Like all advice, I've said this a thousand times. There's no problem easier to solve than someone else's problem that you don't have, right? (laughs) So the the advice that you give, and sometimes even that advice is from me to me. (laughs) Uh, You know, the thing I tried to tell my kid is the whole eat the frog thing, which is if you got a frog to eat today, um, you could put it off all day and think about the frog or the very first thing you do in the morning is eat the frog and now it's done. And the frog has been eaten and your day is free. And I'm trying to eat the frog more, <laughs> which is knowing that this thing is vetoing the whole rest of my life, like vetoing every bit of productivity I could do. Just fucking do that thing. I know you don't want to do it. Uh, no one wants to do it, but do it. Do it anyway, even though you don't want to do it. Just do it. And if you do it, it will again, much like getting rid of Dropbox, it'll feel like taking a big dump. I'm very dump focused on this show. <laughs> Should the title be dump focused? Possibly. You will know. You will know better. You, a uh, friend who's looking at the show on publication, will know better than me, the dude recording it. Dump focused. <sighs> Speaking of dump focused, it's not. But uh, some people got a kick out of uh, some of the, the like the previous insane grandpa stories, you know, the chicken biscuit story. I'm going to tell, uh, tell a couple little stories. One of the things, and this happens, it's going to happen to me in a couple hours when I take him to dialysis. This man drives me so crazy with the way he physically gets out of the car. <laughs> he gets out of the car. I've got a wheelchair. I roll it up to my car. He's getting out of the passenger side of the front seat. I open the door. I roll the wheelchair right up there so he doesn't have to go very far. He grabs the door. He grabs something. He basically, at this point, can't stand solely on leg muscles. like, Or he can't even walk. He can't stand up solely on leg muscles. He's got to have his hands on something, either on a walker or the wall or something. 
So he, he he's just not stable enough to walk around by himself. So he get up, he lift himself up. His right butt cheek is pointed at the wheelchair seat. And he could just get up, move to the right 18 inches, and he's in that chair. But he doesn't. What he does is he's got to approach the, he's got to sit in the wheelchair leading with his left butt cheek. I don't know why. This guy can barely walk and barely stand up. What he does is he gets up and then he shimmies around and he does a, like a 270 <laughs> so that he's, so that he turns all the way, he's like rotating to the right so that his left butt can sit down first. It's like, why, why are you doing that? Every time he does that, I think he's going to fall. I'm like spotting him like he's <laughs> like a gymnast <laughs> on, on the balance beam. And then he flops himself down. There have been times where I thought he's going to, you know, where he flopped himself down enough off the wheelchair that I thought he was just going to fall on the ground. And I have to kind of like support him and pull him back into the chair. It's like, this is just like, this is thematically uh, absolutely on par with the entire rest of his life, which is take a simple thing that is not difficult and make it as hard as possible. (laughs) And make it hard for everyone around you uh, for absolutely no gain. There's no gain for spinning around before you get in the wheelchair. There's, it improves nothing. All it does is make everything harder for everything. For you, for me, for everybody. <sighs> That's Grandpa. And then Grandpa, I've mentioned that he has basically, you know, he's 90. He has the eating habits of a toddler. So the 90-year-old, if if the kid was four and Grandpa was 90, uh, they would basically uh, want the same things at all times. It's hard. He doesn't, he never actually says, the, like, I'm trying to get him to tell me what he wants for food, leaving dialysis, and before we go home. And always, the thing that, my primary concern is is knowing where do you want this food from because I've got to drive the car to a place. So if you say I want a hamburger, well, you buy hamburgers from multiple places. I need to know the place. Do I drive to any hamburger place? So I've really it's whittled down the. Uh, we we had explicitly <laughs> this discussion, my wife and I, which is I I've really stopped caring about making him happy. <laughs> it's like I'm keeping him basically alive but he's making it makes it so hard to get him what he wants i'm like i actually don't care if he gets exactly what he wants anymore he can just he can just live with it if he can't actually say what he wants then he's going to get what he gets i mean that's just the way life works the other day he wanted maybe a week ago he wanted chicken a chicken dinner from bojangles okay fine what do you want from bojangles i want white meat so you want chicken breast no god damn it i don't want chicken breast i want white meat it's like so you want a chicken wing no i don't want a chicken wing i want white meat and he's like yelling he's so upset (laughs) that i suggested that he was getting either a chicken i was like so white meat so you want like a chicken breast meal no i want white meat almost a tantrum like Almost a toddler tantrum. Like, this is what I'm saying. He, like, you get old enough, you become young again. <laughs> young in the emotional sense. So I drive him to Bojangles. I'm like, fine, I'm just going to order a white meat meal. And I do that. And they sell us a white meat meal. And we get home and we open it up. And you know what is in the motherfucking box? One chicken breast and one chicken wing. <laughs> After he screamed at me how he didn't want a chicken breast and he didn't want a chicken wing, he wanted white meat and he gets a chicken breast and chicken wing. I don't order white meat and he gets a chicken breast and chicken wing and he's perfectly happy with it. But if I had ordered a chicken breast and a chicken wing, he'd have been mad at me. I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> this is just, it's, I guess, I guess this stuff is funny. It's funny. Um, it's, it's funny every time other than when it's actually happening. <laughs> It probably was funny five minutes after, but it was not funny at the time. Sitting in the car, I was not happy. I was not laughing. I was having no fun with this notion. It's like, it's like just trying to not lose your mind. That's like my, my goals are just so small now. Keep the man alive. Don't lose my mind.
done. I have literally no goals beyond this. <laughs> this whole notion of like, <laughs> my wife is like, wants to, you know, make sure he gets what he wants and does all this stuff. It's like, fuck, if he's alive, if his house is not filthy, or should I say, if my house that he lives in is not filthy uh, and not, you know, vermin infested, we'll go over there. I, I get chided for not spending enough time doing housekeeping. I'm like, I vacuumed, I washed his dishes. You know, I threw away any, like, sometimes you just go in there, it's just a cinnamon roll on a plate on the floor. <laughs> like, I throw away any, any shit like that. It's like, what else do you want from me? I'm not chit-chatting with him a lot. Of, maybe I should. Maybe that makes me a bad person in this situation. Maybe I should be engaging him more. But I'll be honest, every time I ever engage him, it's unpleasant. I mean, it's it's just downright unpleasant. You don't chit-chat with him. He can't hear you. You can't understand him. If you don't understand him and you want him to repeat something, he gets mad and screams. And there was, I forget what it was, something about a grocery he wanted. And um, I couldn't understand what he was saying. And so he starts screaming. I'm like, well, now I understand you even less. So if you're going to scream at me, I will never get this thing for you. What is it you want? Oh, one more crazy grandpa story. He wanted, he wanted to cook some beans. So he wanted scrap meat. Like, dude, I'm 56 years old. I don't know what the fuck scrap meat is in the sense of I know that conceptually what scrap meat is, but I don't know how to buy it at Food Lion. <laughs> and it's like, what does that mean? And so he would explain it. I was like, I don't know. what, And he would try to explain what he wanted in like the color of the package and which case it's in. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And of course, he'll never use the right term for anything. Burden is always on you to decipher this, figure this out, no matter how little sense it makes. And I bought him something, and it was not what he wanted. We ended up just throwing it away because he was so mad that I bought the wrong thing. Eventually, was it two times? Maybe three times of trying to decipher what in the hell he's talking about. I look at this thing, and it's salt pork. <laughs> this is what he wants. Salt pork is scrap meat. That was the right thing. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> it is maddening. It is exhausting. It's infuriating. And also, I'm not doing any of this because I ever expect an appreciation. I will get a thank you now and then. But but like the amount of um, yelling, anger, approbation against the wrong things is 10 to, 10 to 1 over appreciation for the right things and the good things. So it's like, dude, you're just a angry, broken old fart. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, but he's our angry, broken old fart. So what are we going to do? Just, just got to do it. All right. I'm going to end on one, uh, more upbeat topic, uh, of complete and utter triviality. I got my membership. I didn't really even get a membership package. I just got uh, the membership to the American Pencil Collector Society. <laughs> I sent them my $15. I am now a member. I have a membership number from the American Pencil Collector Society. This, my friends, is some stupid shit. <laughs> As I've been like getting deeper in the Erasable podcast and getting deeper in the pencil world and the notebook world and you know, handwriting things when I've been avoiding handwriting for 25 or 30 years. Um, it's just started getting really fun. So I sent my thing in and I didn't hear anything for a while. I think the newsletter is quarterly. So they didn't even send me a thing individually. Um, what they do is every time they publish the newsletter, they list all the new um, members that have joined up with their membership numbers and their address. I kind of sort of didn't know that. I might have used the P.O. box if I had known this was going. But, you know, whatever. So before I even got that newsletter, I just kind of, as far as I knew, I sent 15 bucks and then into the black hole. <laughs> nothing ever happened. I never got anything. Nothing ever. I never heard anything. Nothing. And then I got this envelope from Ohio or Iowa or somewhere in the middle of the country. It was from a lady who sent me a packet of pencils and a letter and like multiple pages of photocopying stuff. They look kind of like in the old days when you would send a Christmas letter and the Christmas card, how you'd write it up once and then photocopy it, you know, probably at work on work stuff. And then you would put it in there. It was kind of like that. It was like about her and about her pencil journey and just stuff. And also 
I'm going to guess this was at least the fourth generation. I'm pretty sure what I was looking at was not photocopied from the original. It was photocopied from the photocopy of the photocopy of the original. <laughs> and uh, I did the math. So a woman told me she was born in 36, which I think puts her at 87 or 88. I have a feeling I'm going to be getting a, a lot of, a lot of, I f- suspect I'll be getting some mail and it will, if I get mail, it will probably be tilted heavily towards octogenarian, septuagenarian. <laughs> but it's just, I, I didn't even know this. Apparently it's a thing. Um, she, so she sent me some pencils from the pencil collector meeting, which I think happens every two years in the odd number of years in uh, so typically a college town in the Midwest. And so, you know, I've got a pencil from the meeting in Mankato, Minnesota in 1997, <laughs> you know, whatever, the, whatever these things are. She sent me a couple of those and she sent me, I think, one of hers. And apparently it's a th- thing in this group. I didn't even know because, of course, no one told me anything. Is that part of the tradition is you print up pencils with your name, your membership number, and your address. I think I'll probably like limit it to the city, maybe not my actual mailing address. Uh, and then that's a thing that that like becomes currency. You like trade them amongst um, the things. So she said, when you do that, did she say if she may have said when you do that? I'm just assuming I'm going to do it. She would like three of my pencils, <laughs> which I guess one to keep and two to trade. I guess maybe I don't know. Um, it's like okay, well I guess I'm going to do this. So I'm now looking around to you know so the same places where you would go to buy uh, the pencil for your dentist <laughs> practice, you know, and put them in the Halloween bags. That's I guess what I'm looking at getting pencils printed for myself. So. <laughs> How am I going to spend my retirement? I'm going to be corresponding with nonagenarians about pencils. That's how I'm going to spend it. And also, the kid, uh, I think we missed it for this year. I think we missed it by a couple months. Um, in 2025, I think the kid wants to go to the pencil thing. <laughs> so I am totally fine within the summer. And I think these always happen in the summer. I'm fine traveling to wherever this weird thing is going to be and hang out with the pencil people for a couple days in a Best Western hotel ballroom in some Midwestern college town in Ames, Iowa, in, you know, Columbus, Ohio. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Kenosha, Wisconsin. Fine. I'm, I'm good with all of it. <laughs> it's fine. Fine. So that stuff, this whole pencil thing, and it, it started, and it started bass backwards, right? It started from the zines. I was doing zines, and then I found the Pencil Revolution zine, which is done by Johnny Gamber, who's a co-host of the the Erasable podcast. So I found his zine, and I got his zine, and the zine led me to the podcast, and the podcast has really gotten me into this pencil world. I guess the zines were the gateway drug that ended up with this bizarre pencil business. And now I'm fully committed to the pencil world. So there you go. I don't know which I like better as a show title. I, I think I might like fully committed to the pencil world. <laughs> I like the rhythm of that one better than, I don't remember, the other one was something about a dump. Dropbox dump. I don't remember what it was. I'll find out in editing. I'll fix it in post. And now it's time for something we call the reading of the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly, bit.ly slash EGC Patreon, and they pledged to support to keep the shambling mess shambling. Thank you to the following people. Derek Coward, Adam Rittenauer, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, Arhuli, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew Heron, Grant Bachoco, Tony Ewing, Craig Stepp, Paul Reynolds, Shannon Nelson, Charlotte Kennedy, Leah, the Enigmagic Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Skeeter Murphy, Robert Gibson, Len Edgerly, Melissa A. Bartell, Andrew Howe, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Dyko, Brian Springer, Rob Usden, John Gehring, Wayne Pittenger, Brian Jones, Joe Pollock, Jeff Dangle, J.P. Shippard, Steve Holden, Brian Hogan, and Matt Beckwith. Thank you, one and all, for supporting The Shambling Mess. And now, let us kill the music. Thank you for listening, my friends. Once again, even though I done the test, sh- I done test things, and I did the 15-minute test show, I'm really kind of sweating bullets. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm hoping for the best. I don't know what to expect when I shut this off and look at the file. I was like, oh, Jesus, what fresh hell awaits me here. If you'd like to reach out, uh, you can always reach me at Dave at EvilGeniusChronicles.org. You can find the links to the show notes. Will there be a link to the American Pencil Collector Society in the show notes? You bet your sweet ass there will be. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Everything I can think of to uh, link to will be up there. You know, you can you can find me. Reach out. I like the feedback. I'm going to have more time to correspond. I was hopefully I'll be a better correspondent after December. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be wonderful? The stupid side project that I have been talking about for 10 years, I think is going to happen. I'm actually making progress on that. That's a, yet another one of those things um, that the logjam has been preventing, but it's going to happen. It's all going to happen eventually, or, or we'll die. It'll happen or we'll die. I promise that one of those two will occur. Thank you for listening. I will catch you again next time. And don't forget that I love you. Goodbye. Hello, and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. <laughs> what is happening? <sighs> I totally forgot to put in the reading of the patrons. I will edit that in later. God. <sighs> Rusty. Every step of fucking adventure.